Nersk News for the week of June 11th, 2018, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hartman-Baker. Today's guest is Jack Deslip. Jack leads the Application Performance Group at Nersk. He joined Nersk as a consultant after completing his PhD in condensed matter physics at UC Berkeley in 2011. Jack has programmed for computers large and small, but his most successful software in terms of number of users was an Android application called SquirrelCam, which followed the lives of baby squirrels as they grew up and left the nest in Berkeley. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. So today's topic is performance portability. So that begs the question, of course, what is performance portability? So I, I think performance portability is one of those terms that's actually pretty tough to nail down. And you know, I think everybody kind of has their own favorite definition of what performance portability is. And it, it's a type of thing that, you know, it's hard to get agreement on a specific de- definition, but it's, it's the type of thing that you know it when you see it. One of the things that the DOE has been doing in the last several years is, is hosting these um, sort of complex-wide performance portability workshops, and we captured a whole bunch of different definitions there, from from the complex in terms of multiple paragraph type definitions to the very simple, for example, a code is performance portable when the application team says it is. Wow. Okay. Um, and you know. At, at NERSC, we've taken the view that uh, to really move the conversation forward or to make progress on performance portability, um, you need a definition that is actually quantifiable or, or allows you to measure it. So the definition that, that we've been using in, in practice here is that an application is performance portable if it achieves a consistent ratio of the actual time to solution to either the best known or theoretical best time to solution on each platform with some minimum platform-specific code required. So there's essentially two pieces here. One is that you need to have sort of some level of consistent performance on different architectures, and you need to achieve that with a minimal amount of specialized specialized code. Okay, so it's like you have to do pretty well on on every architecture, sort of meet expectations on that architecture of performance and doing that with minimal extra code in there that is specific to a platform. Right. Okay. Yeah, so I I think that's right. And I think one of the keys is that first piece about meeting expectations. And so there's a number of sort of bad ways you go about measuring performance portability. For example, you could compare your performance against the peak flops of the system. Mm-hmm. And that's a bad way because uh, your application may not be limited by the, you know, the CPU frequency or the, or the specs of the CPU period. It could be limited by memory bandwidth or some other quantity on the system. Right. Um, and you could actually be limited by different parts of the system on different architectures. So it's really... So that word that you said expected, I think, is the really the important key, is to determine mm-hmm. what your expected performance is on each architecture and compare against that. Okay, all right. So why, why should anybody care about it? I mean, I always, I always run on NERSC. I'm never going to run on any other machine. Why do I care? Well, so I think if you, were, if, if you run on NERSC and don't ever run on any other machine, you're really in the minority. Um, I think a large mm-hmm. fraction of our, our users do have accounts um, at other supercomputing facilities within the DOE that may have uh, GPUs like uh, Oak Ridge does, for, for example. 
but even uh, but even accounts on uh, systems outside of the DOE that the NSF runs, or for example, in different countries. Um, and when you're developing, you know, scientific software, you generally have the goal of of developing that software for it to be used by a large community, a large global community, and you generally want to to have as high an impact as you can. Um, and the way to do that is to to have support for multiple architectures, multiple HPC systems, and multiple facilities. Okay. All right. So now I'm in. I'm excited about performance portability. What are the challenges to achieving performance portability? So I, I think one of the challenges stems from the fact that, you know, as we're reaching the end of Moore's Law, we're seeing sort of an increase in the diversity of, of, of computer architecture that is going into these HPC systems around the world. And then even if you look at sort of one of the, two, the two most common today, which are sort of CPU-based architectures and then GPU or accelerated-based architectures, you know the the challenge comes down to the to sort of the devil in the details there's there's a lot that these architectures have in common for example they both support multiple threads they both sort of rely on vector parallelism to gain performance but the the mapping of the parallelism on a gpu to the parallelism on a cpu for example is is not one to one um GPUs use a sort of SIMT, single instruction, multiple thread um, parallelism, while uh, CPUs sort of have two levels, SMT, or just simultaneously multi-threaded parallelism, as well as SIMD, single instruction, multiple data, and those don't align perfectly. And another complication is in sort of the cache memory hierarchy uh, of the of the platform. So CPUs, um, <clears throat> a CPU system has one processing uh, one type of processor, but has uh, multiple levels of, of cache um, that the kind of all of the elements can can reach equally, or one hierarchy of cache that all of the compute elements can can sort of reach equally. While well, a GPU has, in principle, two types of computing elements, uh, two different types of memory on on the node, and uh, a cache memory hierarchy that doesn't quite match what. Uh, what exists on the CPU side. Okay. Well, that all sounds really confusing. Um, <laughs> I just want to do science. Uh-huh. So what are the options out there for trying to make your code performance portable? Right. So so thankfully, there are people in the community thinking about this and thinking about ways to um, to make this problem easier for scientists who, are, who, who do just want to sort of write, write applications and and generate science. There are a number of strategies you can take. I think a lot of communities are are building up domain-specific libraries or languages that the scientists can use to construct applications at a higher level and that abstract away some of the complexity. There's also performance-portable programming approaches that are being developed, for example, like Cocos and Raja in the C++ space that allow you to write a code once and have it... Um, uh, target multiple different platforms, and then you know within the the, the directives sort of arena, we have both OpenACC and OpenMP, you know, attempting to address the problem of performance portability and um, allow you to uh, sort of take an existing application and mark it up in a way that expresses parallelism that can be mapped to either 
uh, or, or in general, multiple architectures. Okay, okay. So switching gears a little bit here, Jack, uh-huh. how did you get from condensed matter physics to application performance <laughs> at NERSC? It seems like kind of a big jump. So I was, I was a user at NERSC during the, the course of my PhD. Um, and you know, one of the things I discovered over the course of my PhD is I, I sort of liked the coding or application development and performance aspect of the work more than I liked any particular science application that I that I happen to be working on. And you know, one of, I think one of the reasons why nurse is a good fit for me is that I get to still have a foot in the door of science, but I have a, a chance to contribute um, sort of a small amount to a whole lot of projects that are going on rather than be, be focused just on my, my own research. Okay, all right. Uh, so finishing up here, three things that you would want NERSC users to know. Okay, so the first thing that I wish that I kind of knew before I had joined NERSC, um, or I, I think I sort of discovered over the course of my time using NERSC is that uh, there are really great performance and debugging tools available to you, and um, you know debugging in particular for for parallel codes can be really tedious, can be challenging, and these tools are just just make it really easy. And so you don't need to to continue killing yourself by spending hours, you know, at adding printf statements at an increasing granularity to to solve your problems. These tools exist in there and they're there to help you. I am vigorously nodding while he is saying all this. <laughs> mm-hmm. my, my second tip is to check out the website mynurse.gov. Um, this is something that uh, we've put together over the last several years at NERSC. It has an interesting repository of real-time statistics about what's happening at NERSC and what's happening in your jobs. And if you're sort of a kind of an information junkie like I am, I think you'll find a lot to to satisfy your curiosity about about the center and about your use of the center. And then the third is to check out the website performanceportability.org. This is a tool that Nurse put together in collaboration with the staff and engineers at Argonne's Leadership Computing Facility and Oak Ridge's Leadership Computing Facility. And it contains uh, a number of strategies for um, defining, measuring, and, under, and, and understanding performance portability, as well as um, recommendations for going about constructing performance portable code in your application. All right. Well, great. Thank you very much, Jack. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.